Joe, where are you now? In St. Louis? Yes. Sound of Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know St. Louis is not Luigi? It's Ludovico. I did not know that. Luigi is Aloysius. That's the exact translation. Really? So when all the Italians came here and called themselves, oh, Luigi is Louis. It's not. Luigi is, is I should say on the show, is Aloysius. Isn't this is an exciting joke where they keep me around? All this useless. <laughs> that and a nickel will get you a nickel, I guess. <laughs> Nothing anymore. that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great from the moment you're a small bambino you eat pizza you drink vino then they make you roly-poly you get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm your host, John Viola, and really excited for today's episode. Joined by two of my pals that I always look forward to seeing. The notorious P.O.B. Pat O'Boyle and the first lady of the Italian-American kitchen, Ms. Rosella Rago. So, guys, good to be back together. Looking forward to today's episode because we are visiting virtually through the eyes of a filmmaker, an Italian enclave that actually is one on the top of my bucket list that I have yet to go to, The Hill in St. Louis, Missouri. You've never been there? No, I've never been. How is that possible? You've been every, you've been to like Zanzibar. You've been to places no one else has ever been to. <laughs> that is true. I've been to a lot you've of weird places. You've never ever been there. No, I will. I got one up on you. You do, yeah. You've got ah, one. Phenomenal. And no, to be honest, I've never been able to get there. I uh, I've been to St. Louis three times, mostly you know in and out. And I think the last time Pat, I was there with you. We went for the institute. Yeah, because I was going to say you were there with me. Yeah. You just like got out. Like you just left ASAP. Yeah. The eye stood to find my people. I always find my people everywhere I go. Well, that's my favorite thing about traveling throughout the country is finding the famed Italian enclaves, the lesser known Italian enclaves. And this one is is really one of the best. And today we get to look at it through the eyes of someone who has clearly spent a lot of time uh, getting to know the place and sharing it with the outside world. So very, very happy to welcome to the Italian American podcast, Joseph Paleo, the filmmaker behind America's Last Little Italy, The Hill. So Joe, welcome to the Italian American podcast. Thank you for having me. We're really excited about this because I know some of us have seen the film, some of us haven't, but I've been following along with your footprint on social media. It seems like you're getting a ton of praise throughout the Italian-American community. You've been making the rounds on a bunch of different shows, and everybody seems to have really loved the project. Yeah, the reception so far, especially in the Italian-American community, has just been remarkable, and we couldn't be happier. And just being able to to bring this neighborhood to the forefront and kind of show everybody what it's all about is, has been a great opportunity for us. The one thing that I think consistently has come out of this journey that we've taken, because we're super New York metrocentric, right? I'm in Jersey, Anthony Fasano um, and Dolores are New York people, you and Roe are New York people. And I think that New York has a propensity to be people who stare at their belly button. Like New York is the center of the universe. 
And I think that the number one thing that's come out of that is, is there is a whole Italian America and many parts of the country much healthier than ours that exists and thrives. You know, and my friend Paul Puccelli, when he did his feast documentary, it's been 408 Italian feasts and processions around the country. You know, that's when I first fell in love with Ohio and with, you know, Eastern Pennsylvania and coal country and areas like Scranton. Like I never knew in the New York dominant world that all these places existed. And I think the beauty of like the internet and what technology has allowed us to do is we can now discover these places. Because how many Italian Americans in the New York metro area would even register St. Louis, the, the hill in St. Louis, as a vibrant Italian community? No, I think it's definitely underappreciated, particularly here on the East Coast and some of the enclaves we still have here. I mean, everybody probably thinks theirs is the healthiest. But Joe, your family's been in and around the hill for, for how many generations? What is your connection to this neighborhood that you so beautifully shared with everybody? Yeah, so my grandparents actually, uh, when they first got married, they moved to the hill and they lived there with their relatives. And so there was two couples living in one of those little tiny shotgun homes that we show in the film. And this was actually about four or five houses down from St. Ambrose Church, which is the hub of the neighborhood. And so the house got to be too small once they started having children. And my grandparents actually moved off the hill but we had family members that lived there the entire duration of their life. And, you know, to this day, I still have family members that live on the hill. And, uh, you know, growing up, I was always visiting the neighborhood, you know, but at the time, you know, once I started this project two and a half years ago, really the extent of my knowledge of the neighborhood was simply, it had a lot of restaurants there. And that, you know, my Italian relatives lived there and everywhere you went, you saw the Italian flag and the, and the fire hydrants. But I didn't know this deep, the deep historic roots that really permeated throughout the hill. And the fact that, you know, these men came over to work in the clay mines and they were able to, to build this neighborhood and, and to build their own homes and, and build this church and, and build something that still lasts to this day. Whereas so many of these other immigrant ethnic neighborhoods throughout America ended up going under, the Hill was able to maintain that ethnic identity and, and which is extremely rare, especially today in 2021, to have so many Italian families still living on the Hill in that neighborhood, you know, is just something that you don't see. And at first, you know, that, that wasn't going to be a huge part of the film. It was more so going to be just you know, the, the history of the neighborhood, the fact that, you know, Yogi Berra, Joe Garagiola, the 1950 soccer team, Father Polizzi, all of, all of those things were really uh, known that these were going to be big parts of the documentary. But it wasn't until we started interviewing people like Angelo Sita, who was the former president of Unico National. Or, I know Angelo Sita. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Gary Mormino, who had uh, written a book on the Hill, the tour guides that we got for the film, and all these historians, people that Italian-American everything is, is their life. At time and time again, they kept telling me really how rare it is that this neighborhood was able to maintain that ethnic identity. And that's kind of where, you know, the last 10 to 20 minutes of the film really began to take shape, was learning just how rare the neighborhood is. Joseph. First of all, I didn't realize how old you are. You're 12. And I'm mainly jealous <laughs> because I've been wanting to make something like this my entire life. I mean, I grew up in a similar Italian neighborhood and I'm just, I'm floored. I'm floored 
because the hill is just the best and St. Louis, Missouri is uh, where we should all move, apparently. And the film ends with this really powerful line, which is, we're about to have the fifth generation of kids going to school here. And what they mean is the fifth generation of Italian-Americans on the hill going to what I believe is a Catholic school. And I mean, what a thing to be able to say that people were so loyal and so steadfast. You know, I love the whole thing about how when you want to buy a house on the hill, there are like a hundred families that originated on the hill and there were no real estate brokers involved. You know, you went to the church if you wanted to buy a house, you know, uh, Father Polizzi, you know, just the priest took you to the bank, found a seller for you. And it was all very private and that ensured that, you know, the family stayed in the same place. And I mean, what a powerful thing, because as a, a first generation Italian American in Brooklyn, New York, in a Italian enclave myself, like I wish we had that. I, I'm so jealous that, you know, we didn't have that kind of leadership because that's what it takes. And, and Rose really right. The idea that the people have been conscious for multiple generations to make an effort to pass buildings along almost the stewardship of the neighborhood, which, you know, in a lot of these Italian enclaves, as much as we nostalgize them, the bottom line is the idea of American upward mobility was get out. And yes, you may miss the neighborhood. You might go back for the feast or the food or whatever, but people really were compelled to leave and not consider the sort of ownership of an enclave as it sounds was the case in St. Louis. So when you set out to make this thing, you really were not aware, it sounds like, how unique the neighborhood was. When you say it's America's last little Italy, is that something that kind of came to you throughout the process? Well, we knew that the title was going to draw some pushback from these other Italian communities throughout the United States. Well, why not start trouble? That's why we're Italian, right? <laughs> why not throw some kerosene on the fire? The thing is, after seeing the film, I think what sets it apart, and like I, I'm a fiercely proud New Yorker, I'm a fiercely proud Italian American from Brooklyn, but you know, I can admit that when the guy is saying, we live in our neighborhood, we actually live in our neighborhood, you know, you can't deny that there's a distinction because, you know, I come from a place where everybody did move out because they wanted a backyard and an in-ground pool. And then they get mad when their favorite pizza place closes, you know, in the neighborhood. And it's like, well, how do you expect something like that to survive if you don't live there? Can I take a rebuttal with that? Of course, Patrick, hmm. always. There's a romanticization of the good old days, which is has always happened in every place and every time that the world was at the best when you were a kid. The one thing that impressed me about the hill when I walked around was it has a suburban, not an urban feel. And in the defense of other communities that imploded, as opposed to what happened in St. Louis, I started out my life in one of those houses. They were extremely uncomfortable. So people are like, oh, wow, it was great living there. Do you know what a pain in the neck it is to walk up the stairs of a tenement? Yeah. And it's always dark because there's no windows. Yeah. Right. They were wood frame houses that were built for workmen's houses when they were built in the 1860s and 1870s. The buildings we moved into, they were not intended to last for 200 years. So, guys, if I may interject, though, what Pat is referring to is the classic shotgun house, which yeah. I did not know what a shotgun house was before I watched this. And now I know. So it's a very narrow house because the more narrow your home is, the less taxes you pay because you were paying taxes on the 
width of a property and not necessarily the length, which makes a lot of sense when I examine, you know, other Italian enclaves, because it is like the idea of these very narrow but long row homes. And they called it a shotgun house because the idea was that for some reason, I don't know, they thought of it this way, that you could shoot a shotgun through the front door and it would go all the way to the back and out the back door. I don't know why you were planning for that, but. <laughs> uh, but to follow up on what Rose said, the only reason I'm highlighting it is that I've learned as we've done the podcast, you and I and John, Dolores, Anthony, we've had an experience with this stuff and we just assumed that everybody else did. And a lot of listeners, oh, our listeners are not Italian Americans. They only grew up in suburbia. They didn't go to the grandmother's tenement house and they, they, they're trying to figure all this stuff out. And what I'm saying is that why did people move out of certain neighborhoods? They were uncomfortable. You had 13 people living in three no, rooms. No, I understand. Right, but I understand why they moved. I just give specific kudos to the people of the Hill for not buying into the suburban fantasy that I'm sure was very alluring. You know, I, I, I'm a proud Brooklynite, but I wish I was from a place that was still so, uh, that was still hanging on to our heritage because it's so hard. It, but, Ro, this is what I'm trying to say to you. Is being on the ground, what struck me of walking around the hill is it's like a mix of Italian neighborhood and suburbia. That's why I think it survived. There's a whole different vibe there that I got, which was fascinating to me when I walked around two years ago. To Patrick's point, I think that there is a very distinct difference between apartment buildings and living in a house that your great-great-grandfather built himself when he came over to this country to work in the clay mines. And I think that you see that throughout the neighborhood and why it's been so important for these families to pass those houses down from generation to generation is because it's their identity. And this neighborhood means so much to these people. And the preservation of it is, you know, one of those things that I don't think you see in, in many other of these other Little Italy neighborhoods. And Joe, one of the things that really struck me learning about the Hill is the Northern Italian quality of it. It's a community made up of primarily Northern Italians. I know a lot from Lombardia. And as I think about the sort of differences in the social experience between North and South and where they went in labor, I wonder if that had something to do with the sense of ownership and stewardship of the neighborhood. Can you share with the audience a little bit of the history of the Hill for those who are unfamiliar? So many uh, men from Northern Italy uh, in the late 1800s started to come over to the hill because it was rich in clay mines and there was, there was work to be had. So these men came over initially, began working in the clay mines, and then they started sending back home to bring women over to have uh, a, a wife. And these are called picture brides. Oh my God, wait, I'm sorry. I just have to say, like the single greatest line of this film was describing a woman's place at this time. And you could either be a suora, a zitella, or an americana. That meant that back then you had three choices to either become a nun, an old maid, or an American. <laughs> so being a picture bride was a pretty big deal back then. <laughs> so yeah, the picture brides... Uh, they would send over the photograph of, of their daughter and, and they would come to America for a better life. Then they would begin to start their family. And through this, the men started building their own homes and then eventually building the church, St. Ambrose. And so the church ends up being built in the mid 20s. And then from there, we, the 30s, we get into prohibition. And from there, 
the war uh, and all the uh, Italian American boys that went over to, to fight for our country and the fact that they were being discriminated against because Italy at this at this point was was the enemy. Uh, and so really it was it was important for these uh, Italian Americans to prove their loyalty to the United States. In, in remarkable numbers, the Hill was sending boys over to fight in the war. We were overrepresented in World War II and no one takes note of that. Well, because who has more sons than Italian-American families? <laughs> this is true. I mean. true. The, the birth rate was incredibly high throughout this time for the people on the Hill and, and Italians throughout America. And really from there we get into uh, the 60s and the 70s when a, a leader emerges on the Hill which is Monsignor Polizzi, who was the associate pastor of St. Ambrose and really the architect behind the hill as it's seen today in the fact that he wanted to maintain this neighborhood. Uh, Polizzi had a, a background in urban development. And so it, it, he, he had a wider aspect of uh, America than, than just the, the cocoon that is the hill. And so he kind of saw what was happening across America to all of these um, Italian-American communities and he didn't want that to happen to the Hill. So it really became a concerted effort to get people to stay and not flee to the suburbs, make the neighborhood as nice as they possibly could. And the fact that, yes, there was an aspect of controlling housing, quote unquote. Um, and the way that we look at it is, you know, the ends justify the means to us and the fact that if, if this is not done during this time, I don't think that the hills still exist today. And there's probably no film and I'm not having this conversation with you guys. The fact that, again, going back to the high birth rate, there's so many people, there's so many of these Italians that once they're getting to be 18, 19, 20 years old, they want to move out of the house, move out of their parents' house, and there's no real estate available because there was no real turnover happening because all of them were staying. So when a house eventually came available, Polizzi wanted to make sure that that was going to an Italian American who wanted to stay in the neighborhood and kind of had those same values. You know, during this time, the Hill has a way of kind of self-policing. And I think that that's something I'm not necessarily sure that you're seeing that throughout these other Italian American communities where the Hill, the, the members of the community, you know, if there was something that was going on, you were going to hear about it. You know, there's, there's a line in the movie about Polizzi. Uh, he used to knock on people's door and tell them that he thought their grass was getting a little too high. It's time to get the lawnmower out. <laughs> but also the members of the community were self-policing each other and you were going to hear about it. You, you couldn't not take care of your property or do things that, you know, maybe they would have an issue with and not hear about it. And I think that that was, you know, something that was very important to them was keeping this neighborhood as nice as they possibly could. And that gets into uh, the Highway 44 situation, which was a giant deal on the hill of uh, the fact that the hill was potentially going to be broken into two pieces. And Polizzi's able to kind of, uh, he, he takes this fight all the way to Washington in order to try and get an overpass to, to keep the two pieces of, of the Hill connected, which he ultimately is successful in doing. And I think all of these things kind of, it's, it's a domino effect one after another kind of lead to the fact that, you know, stars kind of aligned in order to have a neighborhood like the Hill still exist. To go back to the, to the Polizzi factor is that priests were the one respected person in these small communities, Italian priests. 
that were the leaders. They were the head of the tribe. If you look at um, the Italian community in Wilmington, Delaware, St. Anthony's, I mean, Father Roberto, I mean, the, the man was a titan. He built a parish, a high school, a summer camp. You got these very special guys that had this missionary fervor that were able to basically lead communities. You know, there were so many parishes that had these guys, because at that time, they didn't move priests around. They'd be in a parish for 50 years, and they built a real community. But it's hard to be able to replicate now or to picture for those who were not exposed to it, the power in a positive sense that these men had as priests to build up their communities, to basically recreate the village. I mean, it sounds to me like there's some sense of an Italian-American co-op going on here, you know, where you have a kind of responsibility even beyond the figura of keeping your place clean. It's almost like a shared ownership and a communal sense that your individual homestead is a component part of something greater than itself. And I think I wonder if the homogenous ethnic flavor being sort of Lombardia predominantly actually adds to that because it sounds like the St. Ambrose church, obviously based off of the patron saint of Milan is the heart of the community in terms of both its rhythm, but also its uh, policing and governance. Did you say Joe? Does the community eventually evolve to be many, many different Italian backgrounds, regional backgrounds, or has it stayed primarily Lombardia and uh, maybe some some other representations? Well, there was two. We don't get into this really in in the film because I thought it would be somewhat confusing to introduce this. But there was two Italian communities in St. Louis. There was Little Italy, which was downtown, which was mainly Sicilians. And that's where Polizzi came from. And then there was the hill, which was largely uh, northern Italian. And so what happened is Little Italy downtown goes under and all the Sicilians from there end up on the hill. Oh. And so that's how you have now it's, you know, you'll see it, it's, it's all of them. It's, it's Lombards and Sicilians. And, you know, to go back, you know, during the, the 30s, there was a lot of um, Lombard versus Sicilian prejudice that was seen on the neighbor seen in the neighborhood and it was just basically a difference of not understanding the other side yeah and you know it it's a testament that once the kids start to to go to school together the the discrimination and the prejudice seems to subside uh because you know they're not seeing each other as as a sicilian or a lombard they're seeing each other as an american and so that's really one of the things that that is able to get you into that, that next generation where you don't, you're not seeing that same level of prejudice that, that you would, that you were seeing that generation before. I've always said that we Italian Americans have had that great opportunity to become a unified community rally around this red, white, and green tricolor, even differently than modern Italy, because we are one or two generations in able to overcome those regional differences. I mean, my grandmother, is from Puglia. My grandfather's Sicilian and their marriage in the early 1950s was considered controversial for my grandmother's family. You know what I mean? It was not that long ago, but that's one of the things that we get into in the film as well is the fact that when they started marrying each other, that was, that was a a huge issue to, 
to the Lombards. <laughs> I could I could imagine. It's always it's always north down, right? It's like I think it's uh Cinema Paradiso where they say uh, northerners always the Sicilians say northerners always win and they're talking about the Neapolitans or what yeah, that's right. it was. Yeah, that's absolutely. I love how in the movie they said how like the Sicilians became quieter because of the northern influence. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. And I think Sicilians is rather quiet for southerners. Yeah, I, I think Sicilians is quiet though. <laughs> Maybe for us. You know, it's interesting, though. I, I think that's this melting pot of America on a microcosm level is a melting pot of Italian America where, you know, we can all feel very related and part of a larger community, even though our ancestry is from different regions and we grew up with different experiences in different cities. I mean, having not been, I can't say from experience, but, you know, it sounds like the hill is quite different than my neighborhood in Brooklyn or Mulberry Street or Arthur Avenue or anything like that. It's definitely got it's it's from what I've seen. It's the, the hill definitely has a quieter uh, vibe. You know, the people are a lot more laid back generally. You know, when we're thinking of Italians in America, usually you are thinking of the New York Italian. Yeah. And that just isn't really seen on the hill. The people are a lot more it's it's a lot late, more laid back, but it's also a lot more laid back way of life. That's because you have no Neapolitans. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> that's New York was whacked out because Campania, all the interesting parts of Italian America were populated by people from Campania. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it makes a big difference. It really does. And, and, you know, I would say, honestly, as we were joking before, I think a Sicilians is a rather sedate and, and quiet people. So for the Lombards to have to sort of calm them down, the baseline blood pressure must be very, very low indeed in the hill in St. Louis. So it sounds like a place, uh, first of all, I can't wait to get to see. You know what I felt? Walking around there, I felt like people actually lived there and didn't come there for a photo op. If you go to New York, so to Italy, or even Boston, so I mean, Boston, sort of, then I, you, you, you feel much more of an actual community presence than New York. But you go to some of these places, and it's, it's almost become a movie set. I didn't feel that way walking around St. Louis. I, I don't know how to articulate. You feel like people actually live here. I don't know how to say that, how to articulate that better. Well, it sounds to me like they do. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a big but key. It connects. So I'm trying to say is the film connects with the reality. So, yeah, let's talk about the, the, the reception of the film sharing this far too little known Italian-American city uh, with the rest of Italian-America, the rest of the country. We were talking a little bit before about the reaction. What have you felt, Joe, has been the reaction from the Italian-American community at large and then maybe from the greater American community and, and even on the Hill? So, um, you know, the reception within the Italian American community has been phenomenal. And time and time again, we're hearing, uh, you know, just like you were saying, that they want to come and visit the neighborhood. And that's kind of the biggest thing for us is to bring this neighborhood to the forefront and, and kind of show everybody what it's all about and hopefully bring these people in and, and, and kind of that, that we can all celebrate the fact that a neighborhood like this still exists is a really big part to us. And you know, we did we did a, a brief festival run. It was a, it was a COVID shortened festival run, but uh, because it was virtual, it also gave us the opportunity to, to to reach far beyond just the general places where the film without COVID would be showing. The fact that because it was virtual, they were able to sell tickets all across the country. And so that first festival that we did in St. Louis, they were shocked that we're selling tickets in Italy and we're selling all these tickets in New York and Boston and Chicago, whereas generally it would just be a St. Louis festival with other people from St. Louis watching the film. 
And I think that was able to kind of get this ball rolling. We were able to start getting the word out that the film exists because of uh, the help that we had with this being a virtual festival. And from there, you know, the Facebook page, we started getting all of these views on, on the Facebook page. And, you know, one of our, our trailer got over 300,000 uh, views on it. We were just, you know, shocked that there was people from all over the country were, were learning about this neighborhood and wanting to watch the film. You know, we couldn't be happier that, that everybody wants to, to see what this neighborhood is all about. And I mean, obviously, you're going to get people who just hear the title of the film and automatically are going to shut it down. And we understood that from the beginning that we knew that that was gonna be, you know, a hot topic of the film would be the fact that we're calling it America's Last Little Italy. But I think when you actually sit down and watch the film, you understand the case that we're making. This is a Little Italy in its original form. This isn't something- Yeah, but you don't have to defend this joke because it takes yeah. everybody's mother makes the best meatballs. No, <laughs> I don't like your meatballs and I do my meatballs this way. So you, you got license. You're amongst your own tribe here. You can say <laughs> we are the best. You wouldn't be Italian. If you said, well, we're kind of, you're coming here to town as you come from the best. And that's what makes us great. Because if Michelangelo didn't hate Raphael, would we have the beautiful works of art that we did? True. Italians thrive best with competition. If you have an enemy town like St. Louis, like do you hate the Italians like Kansas City? Like, who's your rival? Like who's like the enemy? Like, oh, don't bother with them. They're from like Kansas City. I would say Chicago because yeah, that's good. Yeah, we need an enemy. Good, right, right. You guys say yeah. now. Tell us why you're better than Chicago, so they can get aggravated when they Bob Algreeni and everybody else can get their blood pressure. <laughs> well, I mean, we had somebody, um, you know, talking to us about the Chicago Little Italy, and you know, that was one thing that it ended up not making the final cut of the film. But a lot of people were talking about the fact that the college came into to Little Italy, and it kind of you know took away the, the neighborhood. It's like the hill was able to, you know, take on once that Highway 44 situation, they could have ended up like all of these other Little Italy's, if not for someone like Polizzi kind of taking the government head on and saying that this isn't going to happen. But I think another thing that kind of gets lost is the fact that the hill is pretty huge. It's 52 square blocks. And so there's multiple of these drone shots that I wanted to do uh, in the last kind of 10 minutes of the film. And at the beginning, just to show you the scope of, of the size of this neighborhood, 52 square blocks is, it's a pretty big area. And I mean, uh, Patrick, having been there and seeing the fact that, you know, th you'll be three or four blocks into the neighborhood from St. Ambrose Church, and you're just seeing house after house, the, these streets that are just houses. But then at the corner, you see a restaurant and then you keep going further down and there's a bakery. Yeah, it was like a natural feel. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it was, it had a very livable feel. It wasn't like. Yeah, it's not just one street that has a bunch of Italian shops and restaurants on it. And then it also has houses. It's, it's everything is integrated within these 52 square blocks where you have, you're having the houses and then you're seeing a little coffee shop over here or, or a deli over there and, and things like that. It's the way that it's set up is, you know, it's, it's rare to see a neighborhood that's like this. Joe sounds like he's from a place where Italians are proud of him. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I hope so. Um, like there's no Malocchio, I feel like, where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And why I think you should defend yourself against your enemy town is because the New York people are 80% of this podcast. And they descend on me because I stand alone defending New Jersey. You understand? So yes. I understand that you have a big monolith like Chicago that tries to intimidate you. Like I have these New York people that try to intimidate me. But I know that my Jersey Italian tribe is better than New York. Even <laughs> yes. though I'm outnumbered. You remind I'm us constantly. And, I'm, and Joe, that's why I'm united with you in St. Louis. We have to be allies in this. <laughs> Chicago and us against New York. Well, it's the, it's the big brother, little brother thing. that It's that abuse. Is. It's abuse. <laughs> Joe, do you guys have dinner dances out there? No, I don't know. What is that? What? They're like the uh, fundraising dinners, you know? Maybe they do. Maybe they do, and I'm just not aware of it. They should come to our dinner. Dance. Well, Patrick, I think once the San Mongo dinner dances are revived, I think. Joe's got to hear this. Invite... You have to come out. Yes, you must come out to our dinner dance. I know they have Carnivale. Um, Wait, so what happens at Carnivale? You wear like a mask and you eat Italian food and there's there's dancing. It's some it sounds kind of similar to this dinner dance, but I don't want to I don't want to be. No, but ours are on a different level. Yes, that's true. They are much you can't bigger. put San Mango on so everybody else's level. I'm sorry. It's basically a wedding, but there's no bride and groom. <laughs> that's true. Yes. Yeah, same menu. And that's it. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah, true. Same menu. It's a it's a wedding to raise money for an Italian club with no bride and groom. Yeah, they probably have that, and I'm just not aware of it. So I w- I don't want to be I don't. Now you would know. Now you would know if you if it was existed, you would know. Because see, then the clubs compete. My dinner dance is better than your dinner dance. There are different competing clubs on the hill. I know. I know that. I'm... Yeah. See, that works. We wanted to hear that. Do you have competing businesses because they hate each other? <laughs> like you have two funeral parlors because they don't get along. See, in the Northeast, especially in New Jersey. There's two bakeries because they got in a fight in 1907 and there were two family members that broke up. You never have one. You always have two. There's competition on the hill, but they all love each other. See, because they're all from Lombardia. That's why they don't have that. <laughs> this is why you survived because you're genetically, it's just a calm, it's that alpine. Because they're basically German. <laughs> yeah, they're by Switzerland. They're like the Swiss. You no, know, they're calmer. We don't have that calm gene. They called the Sicilians that. Imagine if they had Neapolitans. They would have. <laughs> the hill would have fallen years ago. The, we the, the Lombards would have moved to Iowa, wherever they could get away from the Neapolitans. Maybe we should be more like them. You know, we make fun of them all the time, but maybe them and the Norwegians got something on us. They could. We never considered that. Joe, you talk about Carnival and the sort of get-togethers and the the social calendar. You know, we are constantly out searching for opportunities to come visit different cities and i have pat having been there Rowan, i haven't but we're desperately looking for opportunities to film our greetings from italian america if you had to be our kind of tour guide when would you tell us to go is there an event that we have to see what are the places we have to see sort of how would you script out our experience in a place like the hill well one of the big things for us with the film was i held off on the filming of the b-roll that you see uh at the beginning and the end of the film until the summer, because that's really when the hill comes to life, I feel like. And so I would, uh, you know, I would definitely uh, recommend coming 
during the summer to where you have that ability to walk around the neighborhood and go to all of uh, the different restaurants and shops and, and see, um, you know, all, all of those parts of the neighborhood. But also they, the Hills just had a new piazza put in right across the street from St. Ambrose with a fountain what? that they, yeah. And you can see it in the film. I cannot resist a good piazza. Yeah, they just, <laughs> they just, I mean, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And they just put it in, it's called Piazza Emo. It's directly across the street from St. Ambrose. So when you, you leave church, you go straight across and there's a beautiful fountain that was, uh, that was commissioned uh, that they got from Italy. So there's a lot of, the, the, the hill is always there. There's always reinvesting into, into the neighborhood and trying to make the neighborhood as nice as possible. There's a beautiful park, Barra Park, um, that, that the Hill has to offer. And so really, I would say, you know, come in the summer when you, when you have the ability to, to walk to all of these places and, and really take in what the neighborhood is all about. What's the bar with the bocce court? I was fascinated by that. Yeah, that's Milo's. And we show, we show people playing bocce uh, towards the end of the film. And then actually the movie poster which is the guy smoking the cigarette. Uh, he's actually, that's actually at the Bochy court. The picture was taken in the late fifties, early sixties. You know, that was an image that I was, I just found by happenstance um, that was donated to us. And I really thought that it just encapsulated what the entire uh, neighborhood is all about. I find certain tank communities, they had within those communities evolve a dish that didn't exist in Italy. They invented it. Would you say the fried ravioli is like the piatta identitari, as they would say, the, 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 the dish of the, your identity as, Saint, as a St. Louis Italian, as the hill? Yes, for sure. And here we call it it's toasted ravioli. Uh, even though it's a fried product, we call it toasted ravioli for some reason. And <laughs> that was one of the things that going into the project, um, everybody in St. Louis equates the hill with toasted ravioli. All these Italian communities have these great stories about some dish that was invented because, you know, mm-hmm. somebody had a plate of ravioli and they fell in a, in, a, in a deep fryer. Someone was like, I don't want to throw these out. Well, that's essentially the story. But the issue that we were having, and this was a hard decision that I had to make, um, and the story of the, the evolution of toasted ravioli is, is not in the film. That was a concerted effort on my end. In learning the story, it's a very convoluted and confusing story. And there's multiple restaurants in the neighborhood that lay claim to inventing the toasted ravioli. But the reality of the situation is these restaurants are simply in the building that it was said to have happened. So hmm. there's Old Danny's and then there's Angelo's, which then turned into Mama Campisi's and Charlie Gito's. And I thought that trying to explain this to the audience in a brief matter of time, this was going to take, you know, at least five minutes of the film. That's a, that's a great part, too. <laughs> that's true. That's a great, like, sequel. The St. Louis Hill Ravioli War. Yeah, I mean, that was, and it really was something, you know, looking at the neighborhood, what I wanted to really focus on was the people of the neighborhood, what they were able to accomplish. We didn't necessarily want to make the Being Italian documentary or, you know, just that experience was always centered around the hill. And, you know, the the restaurants, yes, are are a huge part of the neighborhood. And that was in, in doing all of these interviews, learning as we went along, really the focus became why does the neighborhood still exist? And that's really the film that that I wanted to make. 
But if you had to, for the sake of our audience, recommend where you would go for toasted raviolis, what would it be? Well, there's a place, Antonino's, on the hill, and they, they're homemade, and they're much larger than the other toasted raviolis. Um, and I've actually got to see them uh, make them, and it's, it's, it's quite an experience. And time and time again, they're always listed in, in the St. Louis magazines as having the best toasted ravioli. And it's for good reason, because they really are phenomenal. And that's one of my favorite restaurants is Antonino's on the Hill. And there's also, um, there's a place called Adriana's that has uh, incredible sandwiches. And I'm a huge meatball sandwich fan. And uh, (laughs) the way that they make their meatball sandwiches, they actually flatten the meatball, kind of like a hamburger, so that you're getting, uh, you don't just get the bread bite uh, and the meatball doesn't fall out. It's 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 kind of a flat, like hamburger, like. That's actually very practical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I wonder if they're Sicilian because I know a lot of Sicilians who make flattened meatballs anyway. You know, that's really. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah, I think they are. There's, um, and you'll have a there's there's a really eclectic mix throughout the neighborhood of Sicilian and and northern restaurants, and you know, like John Tony is someone that's that's in the film. He has a a funny line about the fact that Italians are always eating and it's, it's what they do best, but he says it in a, I can't, I can't really mimic his Italian accent too well, because Mm -hmm. he's, he's actually from Sicily. He came over and he started this restaurant. And so that that's a real authentic Sicilian restaurant that the Hill has to offer. And, you know, the, the restaurants are, are world famous. Everybody, you know, Frank Sinatra used to always come to the restaurants and, you know, that was a part that we had in the film uh, that ended up hitting the cutting room floor was kind of the celebrity aspect of the neighborhood. But again, I wanted to focus more so on the actual people of the neighborhood, uh, more so than, you know, these celebrities coming to visit these restaurants. But I mean, the Hill definitely does have 30 to 35 restaurants and, and delis on it that, you know, all, all offering, you know, a little uh, variation. Well, that means we're going to be very, very busy, and it's going to be more than a few-day shoot for us to eat our way through the hill. That's right. Let the games begin. Mediaset Italia has the most exciting, high-octane, full-drama game shows and reality TV this fall. With new seasons of Celebrities Stuck Together 24-7 on Grande Fratello Vip. Testing your smarts on Chi Vuole Essere Milionario with Jerry Scotti and the biggest talents in Italy discovered with two CK Vales. Plus, more trivia tests on Caduta Libera and important stories and exclusive interviews with live Nonella D'Urso. DirecTV has the Italian TV you love. Get Mediaset Italia a la carte for $10 a month plus taxes or the Italian Direct Package for $20 a month plus taxes. Visit directtv.com forward slash Mediaset or call one 1- 877-912-2702 to learn more and subscribe. World Direct a la carte service requires activation of a qualifying base package. For new customers, equipment lease, activation, early termination, equipment non-return, and other charges and restrictions apply. Call 1-877-912-2702 or visit att.com for full details. Uh, you know, as an anthropologist myself, 
it sounds like you've taken this from the anthropological perspective as much as the filmmaking perspective and telling the story of your people really and, and your community. And I think that's really wonderful. Before we go, tell the audience, A, what's next for you? And then where can they find and access this wonderful film? Well, right now we're, uh, you know, COVID has kind of got us uh, shut down in terms of uh, filming the next documentary. We have a lot of ideas that we're still kind of kicking the tires on and, and trying to see, you know, exactly what we want to focus on for the next one. Um, so that's, that's kind of just a work in progress for us. But the film right now um, is available on physical DVD uh, because so many people want to actually own this film and have it in their collection to, to be able to, to go back to it time and time again. So we, we are offering the film on DVD and that's available on our Facebook page. We have a shop, uh, that the film is being sold through PayPal. So the Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash the hill doc, where you can simply search America's last little Italy, the hill. Um, and also uh, we're available to stream for rent or purchase on Amazon prime video. So you can okay. look the film up through Amazon or you could rent the film for four ninety nine, or purchase the film for nine ninety nine and uh, kind of see, you know, what the neighborhood is all about. And like you said, we've been able to, to generate a nice buzz throughout the Italian-American community. And we just want to keep this going and, and try and reach as many people as we possibly can to, to see this film. So much of what we do here is championing academics, artists, filmmakers, people like Joe, to encourage them. We are more than what the media portrays us as. If you agree with what we are doing on the podcast, if you agree with what Joe is doing, buy it or stream it. Hang out with your relatives, call up your cousins, tell them to watch Joe's film because we cannot go ahead as an artistic community, as an intellectual community, if we don't put our money where our mouth is. It's not a big ask. I know some people with all the things going on in the world right now don't have the money and we understand that. But for those of you who do, watch this film Call up your relatives, tell them to rent this film, stream this film, or to buy this film. We have to support our artistic community. All those beautiful monuments, when you go back to Italy and you see the beautiful Trevi Fountain and everything else, that didn't happen for nothing. And we need to support these artists financially by supporting their work. That's a great point. I am a big believer in having a DVD collection. So this will be the next edition on my list. I'll be ordering it as soon as we hang up and Looking forward to getting it and putting it there permanently for future generations and hopefully seeing the next projects that you come up with as a young Italian-American filmmaker and storyteller. We, we, I know I speak for all of us when I say are proud to have somebody like you in our community out there telling our story. We are very proud, Joe. You did a great job. Thank you so much, guys. I, I appreciate we, it. We are honored to have people like you, artists in our community. It proves who we are. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for being with us today. and. Uh, Make sure you keep us posted on your next projects when, when we come back to real life. And hopefully when we get back on the road and greetings from Italian America is back up and running out of the Midwest, we will be able to meet you in person. We're going to play you in bocce. We're going to get a bocce <laughs> team together. We're I can't wait. We're going to challenge you on the bocce court with, with, with toasted raviolis. I can't wait. And I'm playing with St. Louis against the New York people. I'm <laughs> You're abandoning us. Have Bob Algrini come down and all your Chicago people. I'm sticking with the St. Louis people. Enough <laughs> is enough. Yeah, sure. Big brother, little brother. It sounds like a plan. That's right. Well, it's definitely worth the watch, and we hope everybody does take Pat's advice, go out there and support this great project and this great young filmmaker. And we're looking forward to being on the ground in St. Louis ourselves, meeting Joe and experiencing 
beauty of America's last little Italy, the hills. So from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. You're born in Italiano and your life